Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 249 and this episode sees the return of Matt Wilmot. Matt was on the podcast most recently on episode 179 back in March 2022 and he was also on the podcast in 2019 episode 51. What I would say is go back and listen to those episodes if you've not already listened to them because we touched on a few different topics in those. Matt also in the most recent one in 179 We spoke about his background and his career and we started the podcast as we normally do. But we don't do that in this episode just because he covered the majority of his career and we wanted to get straight into some of the topics that we wanted to cover today as well. So those previous episodes, we spoke about how much we exert players, how much we work them, are we working them to the right level? We also, we spoke about fitness v freshness in a really chaotic period of the season post-COVID. But in this episode, we really delve into the culture, creating culture. It's something that gets talked about a hell of a lot, creating buying with players. But we really break it down in terms of what that actually means and also how Matt goes about it. It gives some brilliant examples of uh, the realities of working in pro sport and football and with athletes, professional athletes, and some of the wins um, that he's come across, some of the, the ways he's had to adapt his approach and basically all around ensuring the programme being an effective programme, some of the adaptions that he has to make on a daily basis and we, we discussed that, we discussed the importance of the culture, the importance of the programme and where they're not against each other, they certainly work with each other but what is more important? So we cover a lot of different things in this, this episode the good thing about this episode, and hopefully the good thing about the podcast as a whole, as a whole, is that regardless of what group of players you're working with, whether you're working in with a Champions League squad or whether you're working with a part-time squad, it doesn't matter because everything that Matt talks about in this episode will relate to a group of players regardless of who they are. You'll be able to p- pick out certain um, similarities of types of player and maybe some of the reactions and the um, characteristics of certain players, regardless of who you're working with. So get ready to take plenty away from this episode. As this episode goes out, we are just a week away from our next networking event at Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough. So on Wednesday, the 2nd of August, 6 till 9pm, we are going to be at Hillsborough for an evening of networking. We've got two speakers at the event. Dr. Steve Thompson is the lead academy SNC at Barnsley, also physical performance coach at Wales FA and senior lecturer at Sheffield Hallam University. Steve's going to be presenting for us alongside Jack Newbury. Jack is the head of academy sports science and medicine at the club at Sheffield Wednesday. So really looking forward to the event. We've already got practitioners signed up from West Bromwich Albion, Aston Villa, from Barnsley um, and a number of other clubs as well. So if you're interested in coming to the event, go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab and you'll be able to purchase tickets there. The remaining tickets are available on the website. If you're not able to make it to the event and you can't make it to our events, all the presentations from the events are uploaded to our online community. So make sure you go and check out the community on that same website as well. Just on the back of that as well, as we get into the new season, we are looking for clubs to host and speakers for events as well. So if you're interested in either or both of the above, then reach out, let me know. You can either drop us a message on our socials, which is at footballfitfed, or you can email us, which is mail at footballfitfed.com. And we will be confirming a few events to come over the next few weeks as well. Just before we get into the episode, I want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors. First of all, The Good Prep. The Good Prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh, ready-to-eat, chef-cooked meals straight to your door. They offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals, current activity level and schedule. The Good Prep works closely with elite-level athletes and corporates to develop meal solutions that meet the ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their clients include Brighton Hove Albion, the PGMOL, Commonwealth teams, Gymshark, and many more. Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep in peak performance so you can achieve every goal you set. 
plus you can reclaim your time, eat better, move more and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating and discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com and make sure to use the code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. Also, a big thank you to Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training? For pro sport teams and athletes, Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure-validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe, and scalable, allowing you to enhance recovery and maximize athletic potential like never before. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. Check them out at hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com, or email teamsales at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. And also, a massive thank you to Rezzle. Make sure you go and check them out at Rezzle over on socials. And let's get into it. Episode 249 with Matt Wilmot. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 249. I'm delighted to welcome back onto the podcast. It's another hat trick. Matt Wilmot, how are we doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me back. Uh, I didn't think I'd get the call after the first and second one, but yeah, delighted to get a hat trick. I need to get some match balls sent out, don't I? <laughs> Celebrate yeah. the hat trick. Um, anyone that didn't listen to our previous episodes, I was looking at back at some dates. You were back on the podcast on episode 51. And correct me if I'm wrong, we spoke about how much we can push players. Um, and it was all around the load that we exert onto players in that podcast. We then um, spoke again, episode 179. That was a little bit more around fitness versus freshness. That was obviously in a chaotic period, wasn't it? Sort of the backlog of COVID and fixtures coming out of your ears. Like it was a bit of a crazy time. So we spoke a bit more about that. But what I wanted to jump into today is more about culture and building culture, something that gets spoken about a lot uh, and programming as well. And the, the sort of relationship between the two. So when we talk about that, Matt, where does your mind go initially in terms of developing culture with your players, where you're going into a club, where you're going into a role and how that relates to a programme as well? Yeah, I think you're right. I think culture is definitely like a real buzzword at the minute. Um, I think it is so important um, whenever you go into a new club or you sign a new role or, um, you know, you get new players in that they understand the culture that is set. Um I, I personally think that culture is the, is the most important thing that you can have. Um, you know, I truly believe that the culture and the environment that you set, you know, getting players that are responsive and willing to work or um, players that want to come in, uh, take ownership on their, on their physical work. Um, I think that is, that is really the most important thing. And, and it really kind of gives you endless opportunities then to build on. Um you know, we're, we're quite fortunate as practitioners, I think, that um, there's so much information out there for us, um, you know, whether that's academic, you know, the university courses that we all go through, whether that's journals, reviews, um, so many events out there, UKCA put loads on, the sportsman stuff, um, the podcasting stuff, like there's so much opportunity as practitioners to really learn the theoretical side and to really make sure we're nailing down the perfect program as we all like to say we have, or, you know, the all singing, all dancing, brilliant looking, it's periodized to like finer details and, you know, everything's manipulated perfectly. And, you know, you, you spend hours then you on an Excel sheet or if you're fortunate, fortunate enough to have a bit more like 
other software stuff like Tableau, but you can really like come up with something that looks like like the dog's bollocks. Like it's brilliant. And you know, you spend hours doing it. I've done it before. Um and then you get to the reality of football and working with people, whatever it is. And if the players don't actually want to like come in and do it, or the players don't really give you everything that you're kind of asking them for, it's kind of like a waste of time. It's pointless. It's like it's a waste of ink on a bit of paper. Um, and you're just wasting your time. So like, I, I do really believe that if you can get that culture in place, um, and we talk culture, and I, you know, like I say, it is a buzzword, but you know, I'm just talking about are players like invested? Are they like there? Are they present? Are they wanting to be there? Um, and are they like, because I think we're, we are lucky that we are now in a period where S&C, whether it's physical work on pitch, is quite accepted. Like it's like, a, it's, a, it's a normal part of training. It's like done thing. We're now getting to the point where the players have come through an academy system where S&C sessions are essential and they're non-optional. You have to do them to fit requirements for EPP or whatever it is. So they, they are used to doing sessions. So we just now need to make sure that they want to do them. Um, we are getting them to a point where they understand what they should be doing, what they need to do, why they're doing stuff, um, kind of taking ownership on, on their own sort of training um, and kind of making sure that, you know, we're, we're providing that platform, you know, um, and I, and I kind of want to make sure that I'm not being misled where I'm not saying the details aren't important because I suppose essentially that is our job, isn't it? That our job is to make sure that the details are in the program, right? So we need to make sure that we are programming the right things at the right time for the right people. Um, but we are physical practitioners at the end of the day. And I think like we need to be able to work with people and make sure that we are working on the, on the gym floor or out on the pitch or wherever it is and making sure that, you know, players are really responding to your program because like I say, if they come in and don't really give you the, the intensity, the intent, the, they're not really doing the volume that you're asking for, or they're not like the lifting with the correct load and they're kind of whatever's on the bar at the time, they just look up and go, yeah, that kind of looks about right. Um, I normally do that, whatever, and, and just lift it and walk off. Mm. And you're not actually taking time to invest in 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 the program and go, right, what did I do last week? Um, how am I feeling this week? How about how busy is the schedule been? Where am I at in my own schedule? Um, have I got any pains, niggles that I might need to just think about? And kind of just start opening up those questions that they need to be thinking coming to the to the um to the session um because i do think we kind of in the past of spoon-fed players um and you know they kind of just they're used to things being prepared for them and just done and you know the bar being set perfectly for them and they come in and they go right I'll just do that and i'll lift that okay okay i've just got to do that fine and just and then suddenly you're just like all right that just didn't seem like it was a worthwhile time mm -hmm. um so I just think that, you know, if you had, if you gave me the option and had like a real stripped back program, um, didn't have all the bells and whistles, whistles that maybe some programs have and fancy colours and and lovely like graphs or whatever, and you just had like a player that was there going right, let's work, let's let's do it properly, and they gave you everything, then you're on to a winner, um, because then. It's then it's up to you and your coaching ability to then add the details onto that. Once you've got that sort of in place and that platform, that foundation in place that the players are like really excited and kind of invested, then you build into the details. Then you use your coaching ability to, to regress an exercise or progress an exercise, changing up something on the spot that you see, looking at different ways and, and individualize the programs as best you can and, and, and making sure that you're utilizing everything you've got around you. But at the end of the day, like we're fortunate again to work at good clubs with, with a lot of facilities, but you're working like with a player. They're not robots, they're people. So I'm just really like conscious. I'm always conscious on how I coach, um, 
the the environment that you set, how the the gym, the pitch session, whatever it is, it's both. It's both in the gym and it, and it's kind of out on the pitch. How those sessions are perceived, how they're sort of taken, um, and then you can, as I say, you just then add in the details after that. If you start with the details, and then the players look at it and they're like, "Oh, well, that's a lot," or "That looks like complicated. I can't do that because." They're simple creatures, real simple creatures. I think in football, we're we're pretty, we're pretty simple, and we we like things quite straightforward. And and once you've got that in place, then then it's just down to down to you to to do what you're there to do and coach and, and to add the detail after that. But you need to have the the environment, the culture there, because like I say, you just you won't you won't be able to progress anything if it's not there. Hundred percent. What interests me on this because you mentioned. Response players being responsive, yeah. And I think within a squad, everyone can identify, regardless of what squad it is, you're going to have some players that are responsive to everything, they're going to put everything into training, they're going to go the extra mile, they're going to probably bring you loads of questions. Then you're going to have some that sort of sit in the middle, that sort of turn up, go through the motions, you might have better days and worse days. And then you're going to have some that are the, probably the opposite. That are just not responsive. They want to be out on the grass or whatever, or they're demotivated at that time or whatever it is. So if we ignore that first group, the the group that are going to just get things done, the easy ones, yeah, yeah. What would you say your approaches or even advice to coaches of working with those other groups? Yeah, I think this is actually a bit where I actually think university degrees maybe, but a lot of um, the qualifications that you tend to do, they kind of they kind of miss this point, like. The actual coaching skill and like they say we're working like one-on-one or in small groups or whatever it is with people with players and i kind of think it's that coaching eye or like you say it's kind of building relationships it's like a real missing part of, of being an snc coach or a, a physical a practitioner or a sports scientist whatever you turn you kind of use you are kind of like a people person like you're working with people um so i think it's like Something that's so important that we need to make sure that you're you're developing is is your ability to develop relationships with 25 different people. And like you say, knowing what type of player they are, where they fit in the squad, where they are in their career, um, what they need in terms of a little nudge or a little arm around them or whatever it is. Like you've got to be able to like learn pretty quickly who needs what because um, if you if you go the opposite route and you do something that they don't like like which I've done in the past more than in like so many times where you kind of two foot something and go in a bit too heavy and kind of give someone a like, a bit of an earful or you try to like banter them or whatever it is and you, you end up losing them yeah. and then you're like done because footballers are, are people that I do honestly believe like they're quite headstrong and when they believe something and they 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 know something or they think they know something, they they really do think that. Um, and when you lose someone, I think it's, so, it's such a hard skill to get back um, and that takes a lot of time and effort. Um, so I think it's that finding the balance of, of knowing when to push, knowing what that player is. Like you say, if you've got players that they – you might come out, we, our gym sessions, so our pre-training sessions tend to be straight after team meetings. So how that player has responded to that team meeting is varied 20 times because we might have gone over a previous game where a player might have made a mistake that has led to a goal. So he just probably feels bad, a bit mugged off, a bit angry at himself or angry at a coach that maybe has highlighted something wrong. You might have a player in there that, wasn't on the screen because he wasn't selected for that game or was sat on the bench at that time and thinking, like, this is rubbish. I should have been on a pitch or, or whatever it is. You might have a player in there that's injured or coming back from an injury. Um, you might have an older player that just knows what he wants and has has worked in a certain way for 10 years and kind of gone, well, you're telling me to do all these new exercises with force platforms and gym awares and, and, you know, bungees and whatever it is and, and he's just come from the days of just maybe doing some compound exercises, some Nordics, and he's kind of gone, that'll do me, I'm happy. Or he might not have done anything, and you're kind of introducing him to, to new things, and you've got to then build that relationship 
with him and educate him in a way that he's going, well, I haven't done this in 10 years and you're telling me to do this now, but you kind of have to build that, build that relationship that way. So I just think it's like, it's a real missing part. Like we're always taught the theory and we're taught the, the practical side, I suppose, on how to coach a lift, but we're never really like taught the personal skills, you know? Um, and I think that is something that comes with working that comes with sort of trial and error, like kind of see like where players are and how players respond to certain things and, and sort of then when you feel like you've got them and they've they've responded well to something, then you kind of then need to to really reiterate that and and set in those sort of sort of culture stuff. And um it's it's probably one of the hardest part of the jobs, like you're saying, it's having 20 different ways to coach or um 20 different 20 different uh ways to say one sentence. Um and uh it, it is difficult. Um, I really think it is, and we're never taught it. So it's kind of just as bad as it sounds. You kind of just have to learn on the job and um, think like the, the only way to do it is to work with people, uh, not hide away from that. You know, I see a lot of a lot of um, laptop hiders um, hiding behind their laptops. Um, uh, someone I worked with previously at, at, at another club, he was massive against that. If he saw people in the gym, players in the gym, even if it was just some extra upper bodies that they wanted to do or whatever it is, just some, some stuff that they wanted to do and, and there was staff sat in an office behind a laptop, like you would get an earful and he would yeah. want you out there coaching. And I think that's what it is. Just don't be scared just to, to go out and coach and um, learn different ways of doing stuff and, and not be narrow-minded into one way. Um, that is... That is a large part of our job is to be adaptable, right? So, like I was saying, you got you might have a plan, and then something might do happen to a player that has set him off on a different mindset, and he might have something going on outside of football. He might have things happening inside of football. There can only be eleven players playing at, the, at one time, so you might have you know sixty percent of your your squad pissed off because they're not playing. So. You need to be able to to be adaptable and and just mould your coaching style and to around different different sort of mentalities and different different people because they are I say they are different footballers they are everyone's different they're they're strange cats um, that you've got to kind of got to get used to working with that's for sure. I think one thing you mentioned as well is that speed of recognizing whether it's characteristics or just the maybe their perception of what you're going to be doing in your role. Because when you've got, if we refer back to those three groups again, when you've got those players that are maybe disinterested or aren't quite as motivated, if you're not getting into them early, that's like the key time, isn't it? To try and maybe they've had a bad experience of S&C sports science before or a certain individual. You come in the door and it's got to, it's got to be pretty quick, hasn't it? That you're going to try and... That you're try, going to try and get them round, yeah. Like it, you have to like just work, and and, and the, your players are, are quite easy. They just want honesty. And if you just go, look, I'm here to help you, and the only way that you're going to maybe get into the team is to be the best you can be, whether that's out on pitch, physically in the gym, physically on the pitch, technically on the pitch, whatever it is. Um, you kind of they've got to be in an optimal physical state. Um, and the only way of doing that is by doing the stuff that, that everyone's asking of them. And if we've got a program that we think is is the best way of of developing them physically to make them stronger in an area, or you know, all of our testing and our profile, and we highlight areas that this is where we think you're lacking, or this is an area that we think we can really target as an improvement. Like this is going to help you, whatever it is on the pitch. No matter what, if the manager at the time isn't quite thinking you're right for his setup or isn't quite right time or you're a young player that you just need a little bit of time developing or whatever it is, this will help you on pitch. Um, and I always say to, I, I, it's bad at the time, but you always say like, like, obviously we're working at a club, but there are 
you know, 71 other league, like professional league clubs. There's other clubs that are that are there. Like, it's not just one club and one club only. Like, you need to make sure you're ready that if something does happen, someone gets injured any minute, um, you need to be ready to then step in because if you step in and you're deconditioned or you're, um, you haven't looked after your, I don't know, tender, tender, not tendinopathy because you just pissed off. You've gone, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing. So what's the point? And then you get your chance and your knees sort of flared up. That ain't going to help anyone. So like you say, it's quickly just developing that relationship and quickly saying like, we're here to help you. So you need to help yourself type thing. Um, and I think they respond pretty well to it. You've got to be honest with them. Like I, I, I will pride myself in being honest um, and I tell them how it is. I try not to be a dickhead, but I'll try and be honest and say like, yeah, like this is what they're thinking or this is a problem that the staff have with you and we need to fix it or this is an area that they think you need to improve on. So let's let's work on it. Um, so I think that it's that group, like you say, is so important because um, I do honestly believe it snowballs pretty quickly. Like you have a small group of players or a good group of players that are maybe out of the team or on the fringe of it and they, they come off the bench and they might see like another player doing a little bit more or really lifting with great intent and they're like giving everything into their programme and they've probably then got half an eye on that going, well, am I lifting? Am I doing that? Like, am I like training as hard as they are or am I doing some extra conditioning after on the pitch? Um, am I making sure that um, like I previously had a player that unfortunately just wasn't in the manager's plans um, and he understood that and he kind of accepted that but we come up with a plan for him that he knew he wanted to get quicker um, and we then sat down with him we looked at the weekly schedules most weeks we sat and we, we knew when we wanted to get sort of sprinting exposure in our pitch the stuff that we wanted to do in the gym that would supplement the pitch work and he was just so like focused on that um, and he's from what like he's doing well and you know he goes to another club does well and suddenly like a manager change happens and you're in the best position like you can be because like we were just speaking before like um, things happen in football so quickly like you can go from being like not in favour at all and kind of out of the manager's plans and then something might happen whether it's a change of manager or you change clubs and suddenly your flavour of the week and you need to be make sure you're on it at every point because things happen so quickly. So, um, yeah, it's just making sure that you can kind of push those players. And it is a challenge because you're pushing, you're pushing, and they might not be playing and, and you keep trying to work on it. But I think they're, they're smart enough to know that at some point they are going to play. Um, it's squad to squad for a reason, isn't it? And as, as much as our main job and our priority for getting programmes in the gym or our main priority is making players available on pitch and making uh, availability should be like the be all and end all. Like, there's no point having someone that can counter move from jump 60 or 65 or whatever and they're brilliant and wow look at him he's rapid but he can only train for like two three weeks at a time and then something strange or a previous injury happens or so our, our main job is to make the players available but injuries do happen and a squad to squad because they do happen and football's very difficult. It's physically very taxing. So they just have to, make, they know that they, they're going to have an opportunity. Um, and if once they get that opportunity, if they're not in any condition or any physical state to, to stay in a team, then, then, then you've lost them really. And, and you kind of, it's tough then to get them back. But um, I think it does snowball players they do see other players doing stuff and they're like, okay, I'm, I probably should start doing stuff or interesting. He's already doing it or whatever. And, and then that pushes maybe the starters. If they're looking at going, all right, Jesus, he's, he's having a go, isn't he? Like maybe I need to keep on top of what I'm doing and, and keep me like proper on it. And then you're building those, those, like we're talking about that environment. Um, you know, we call it like, it's like culture architects, isn't it? It's like the people that, that drive standards that, that do it just by by doing what they do every week and they're consistent with it and it just drives everyone to go in the same direction. And um, once you've got those or 
the culture architects outbalance the players that are maybe less bothered, the sessions are easy then. Then it snowballs and and they become the, the, the minority and you can then really just kick on with with making sure you're adding the individual details and and sort of really working with players like one-on-one. I remember um, David Moyes telling a story about when Phil Neville signed at Everton. And I think it was like him going in before training and doing extra. And at first it was like a reaction of like, what is he doing? Like coming in thinking he's big time and all the rest of it. And before you know it, players are all coming in at the same time. They're doing the work that he's doing. It's just had that knock on effect. And then it becomes, you're a standout when you're not doing it then, aren't you? It just takes that time. And when we're talking about culture, obviously culture can, culture is a word that can probably mean a hundred different things, but for me, when I look at things, I think that is it, isn't it? It's habits. It's things that you're doing on a daily basis. It's, I remember doing an episode with Nick Grant from probably years ago now, and we talked about nudging the culture forward. And that's exactly it, isn't it? Putting certain things in that might not seem big at the time, but like you just said about things snowballing, that's exactly what happens, isn't it? And then things start to go. If you're not already a member of our online community, you can join over 250 other practitioners from based right around the world on the platform now. You get access to over 100 hours of football fitness content. Also, once you become a full member of the community, you get added into our members WhatsApp group where we have discussions on a number of different topics, including our Members Monday topics, where a member will post a video, a question, a performance question into the group and get feedback from all the other members. So it's a great um, atmosphere, a great group to be part of and a really good way of expanding your network within the game. Some of the content on there as well. Matt actually did a presentation for us when he was back at MK Dons around developing the ideal microcycle. That can be watched over on the community right now, as well as a number of other presentations and webinars. We've got some really exciting ones to come over the next few weeks as well. So if you're interested and you want to become a member, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign yourself up there, It'll give you 30 days free on the platform so you can see what it's all about. After that 30 days, you become a paid member on the site and you do then get access to our WhatsApp group um, and you can join all the other members in the group and utilize the network and the platform. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab and sign yourself up there. Let's get back into the podcast with Matt Wilmot. It goes so quick, like I say, like just get easy wins. Like yeah. that's probably like the biggest thing that maybe I learned like a few, few jobs ago, a few clubs ago. Like I say, you kind of go in and you have these grander ideas that are like, oh, my sessions are going to look like this. Everyone's going to be doing it. Um, everyone's going to be buzzing. It's going to be brilliant. Um, and then the reality of it is like players are people and they're tired at times. Sometimes they come in and They've just had a really hard session and they're whatever it is and they're struggling with different things. But if you can just get those easy wins by um, you know, you might it might even just be you adapting yourself to them. Um, you know, a player can be in such a tough period of time, and you know, we had a few players at Swansea that would be just playing and playing and playing, and they were very key members of the team and they played like for years, like the captain Grimesy, he was like for years, he just played every game, 90 minutes. He trained like every day. He was like relentless, like so robust, um, always available. But it just like naturally that fatiguing element does take a toll. And like Davies will come in and he's like, mate, I'm I'm toast here, I'm tired. Like we've had a few week period, we had like three, three week period where we've had six games. Um, we've travelled loads locations an absolute killer so we spent so much time on the road um, and you might just then just manipulate and go okay right this is the plan we had in place but I tell you what let's just work on these like three priority exercises you might have priority work you just go I think you need to look after this because of this previous injury or this is something that you're kind of monitoring and, and managing this is part, This is quite a big exercise so if we can just do like these two and then maybe this one, forget about the other three or the other two, let's leave them for another week. But you're consistently doing something 
each week and getting easy wins because then it's kind of cash back. Like the week, the next week when he's feeling a bit fresh or he's maybe in a better mindset or he's just anything, he comes in and goes, you were pretty good to me last week. Like we, we changed it because I was honest with you. You were good. You manipulated it. I still managed, you still got the work in. Like I'm not saying we're going to take it easy. Don't worry about it today. Like you get yourself, you get yourself in the showers. Like it's not like that. It's like, no, let's just, what's important. Let's just get that. But you've got to give me everything for those three. And then the week after they remember that, and then they give you everything for all five or all six, whatever it is. And, um, I just think those easy wins are what you can then, if you can get enough easy wins, like I say, it just snowballs. And then you just develop in a culture where players are coming in, thinking about their body. Oh, I feel good today. Let's, let's ramp, like, ramp up the load a little bit. Um, I can really like be explosive today. I feel good. Let's get after it. Um, and they start kind of just like I say, investing in, in, in their own physical ability and investing in their program. What, what am I doing that's going to make me better? Um, and I think once you like say once you get that and get enough players doing that, the other players become a minority. Um, and there are players that you will never get on board. But I've worked with players that you just you know from time working with them, you're like, yeah, this is going to be tough. Um, mm. If it's an older player, like I say, coming towards the end of his career, um, if it's a player just not interested one bit, it's had a bad experience, like you're saying. Some of our bad experiences, in essence, whether they've hurt themselves lifting or they've, you know, done a session without really thinking about it and woke up the next day and dons up to their eyeballs, can't sit in the toilet, it's that painful, we've all been there, where you can't squat down and, like, they just hate it and players just hate feeling sore and then it really ruins them on pitch because they're sore and, and once you lose them, but... Once you get enough people knowing it, consistently doing it, those sort of issues just become such a minor thing and they're not really noticed. Like the other players never notice those players then not doing it because they're focused on them or they're focused on the people that want to be in there and, and kind of, and you just build that nice environment where you've got loads of different things going on, chaotic environments. We all love it where you've just got players and music's getting going mental. And you just know there's people like having a good time in there and making it making it fun because that's all we need as well, don't we? We need fun, like as yeah. practitioners. Like, like I don't want to be in there like tearing the air out, and I don't want like our coaches being in there arguing with players and having to battle with players. Like, we need to just explain to them this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, um, and you can change your coaching style. And and like I say, once you get enough, you're winning. Um, and then that's it. Then you've you've got them. Yeah, definitely. I think that example you gave, the sort of words that define it is building trust, transparency, and it's just that it creates that honesty with players, doesn't it? Like you've you've been flexible and adaptable in the approach, but taught them why. Yeah, you're not just doing it for the sake of doing it and just just bending over for them. Like it's not that. It's the fact that you're understanding where they're at. And then, like you say, that comes to reward you in the future, doesn't it? With the, with the right lesson that comes with it, I think that definitely always comes back as a positive in the future. I think we, we also test so much now. Like, we do so much testing that players and staff, we're all accountable for, like, making sure that the numbers go up or the numbers aren't just constantly just going down or whatever it is. So, And with that testing, programmes are now becoming so individualised. And players are responding to that because they love that, really, don't they? If we just had a whiteboard, you know, those whiteboard sessions where you just write a generic session and the lads come in and just go, yeah, session's on the board, everyone's doing the same weights, the same whatever it is, um, they're just going to go, well, hold on, how's that going to affect me? I'm an 18-year-old centre midfielder that's, I don't know, 65 kg, um, can barely squat, whatever it is or can't lift this and you're telling that big lump centre half over there that's 90kg to do the same weights as me and when you we're then driven to individualise everything and I'm 100% for that and with that you then players respond to that so much better that they're going oh I see that's going to help me this is where I'm down on the testing because we test 
on a daily basis, really, you know, weekly, it's definitely, but 100% daily, really, like, um, and we're constantly seeing changes. So we're constantly just adapting the programme to the players, going, look, what we're doing is working. Um, this is what you needed to work on. You're really good at this, but you're not quite as good as this. So we're still going to do the thing you're good at, and we're still going to make sure that remains a strength, but we really need to improve this. And whatever it is, you know, like I say, we've got so much technology these days with force platforms, force frames, um, equipment that we use, velocity trackers, you know, gym awares. We can really sort of mould our testing and we go into such detail where players are profiled into such detail that um, across whatever curve, you know, force velocity curves, whatever people want to do, and everyone has their own individual ways of testing and sort of profiling you're kind of diagnosing areas of weakness and areas that we need to work on. And if you then talk to player, educate a player and go, look, what do you actually, firstly, what do you want to improve on? Like, what do you think you need as a player? Because they will have their own ideas. I need to be quicker. I need to be stronger. I feel like I'm not quite as powerful or um, I can't do too much because of this um previous injury or whatever it is that I'm managing. I'm managing my pubic. I'm managing my knee. Um, and then you go, okay, that matches up to what we actually found in the testing. Yes, you need to be a bit more powerful. This is the real high-end explosive work. That's what we're going to work on. And this is how we're going to do it. Um, and then you kind of just, like I say, building that trust and then they they understand why they're doing something. Um, and then once you've got that, it's easy then. Um, and... I just think we need to make sure we're using everything at our disposal. Like I have been at, in times where players are kind of, you know, you, you've heard it and they've gone, we do all this testing, but I never actually see any of it. Like you tell me that's good or you might put a leaderboard up every now and then, but like, am I improving? Have I like, what am I doing to help improve that? Whatever it is. And I just think sometimes we just miss that really important time at the start of a cycle or um, whatever it is, just sitting down with a player and going, what do you want to do? This is what we think you should do. Pair them together. Look at the schedule. You kind of know roughly where players fit within the squad. Who's going to be playing a lot of minutes? Who's going to be um, maybe not featured as much or it might be a young player that might just feature with the under 21 matches, but... Um, it's kind of in his development mode so we can kind of load him up a bit more and kind of go, look, you might not feel great during this period and there might be times where you feel leggy, but it's going to help you so much, you know, sort of going forward. Um, and you can kind of sit down and sort of say to the players, like, this is like our opportunities to work. This is where we're going to, this is our window. Um, and sort of just build, like have them in the process. Um, and I think that, we are having players just a bit more responsive to that now. And I think it's, like I say, and I think it's because s is accepted, testing is accepted. They know what they're kind of doing. They have a rough idea on the numbers on what's good, what's bad. Um, but I think they just want to be involved. Um, and it's something that perhaps they feel like they can be involved in. Um, because it would take a brave player, and I know there's probably some out there, that out on the pitch, go excuse uh, manager, just stop right there. Like, I think we should be really doing it this way. And they don't really have any control out on the pitch, do they? Like the manager has his tactics and his style of play and um, has his people that he sees best fitted for that style and, and whatever it is. Um, they kind of can just train as hard as they can um, and hope that they get the opportunity. But in the gym or doing conditioning work or if it's, you know, they can kind of say, right, this is like how I think this is what I kind of need or like, I'm just struggling like in games to do like these repetitive actions. I just fatigue so quickly. So can we work on that after training? And you kind of just, we do end up being as like quite trusted with players because I think they feel like they can talk to us and they can be open with us. And it's an environment where they can be themselves. Whereas I think they always like to, it's the whole thing, isn't it? It's the, with, I'm sure I'll go into it at some point about the mental health side, but it's kind of like players kind of have to feel like they have to show a certain persona out on the pitch or in front of the manager or in front of the coaches because they can't show weakness. Mm. Um, whereas I think they do show 
or they do understand that with us and physios and 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 sort of performance practitioners, I think they 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 can go. No, I'm I'm not great at that. Like I want to improve at that. Whereas I do think players are sometimes a little bit less accepted to go up to a coach and say, "Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not great at that tactic or whatever," because they're going to go, "Well, he's not going to play me then." So um, I just think it's having that environment where players are happy to to know what they're good at, what they're bad at, and then sort of pair, pairing it together and then coming up with the best plan of action. Um, and once you've got that, I think then if they don't do it, you can then, you've got your your argument already in stone, haven't you? You go, hold on, you agreed to that. When we sat down and I spent, spent my time writing up this programme that's going to help you, help you fit into your schedule, you know, work on your weaknesses, you need to give me something back as well and you need to actually do it. Like, it's on you now. Like, I'll be there w- with you and I'll, I'll make sure, like, we're doing it correctly. But at the end of the day, you need to lift it and you need to you need to run it. So you kind of then build in that, that like I say, that, that relationship, that trust um, and that being able just to be honest with them and say, nah, let's do it, let's go. It's, um, this is what we're doing and, and let's do it. I think it's a really important point because when we're talking about buying, players will feel that power, I suppose, won't they, of being involved in that process rather than having things you use the analogy of the white ball before and just putting a session up there. They've had nothing to do with that. They don't really understand it. How is it relatable to me and, and them? Like, it, it, there's a lot of questions, isn't there? Where having that player centered approach, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of, it's for the player. It's not, yeah, like, it's not for me. Like, yeah, like you might have a bit of pride looking at your program. Oh, yeah, that that looks nuts. Like that's the dog's bollocks. Um, I'd like to splash that all over social media, whatever it is. It's yeah. like, yeah, that's good. But at the end of the day, it's for the player, and it and it's that player is then going to help the team. It's going to help the club, and going to help everyone progress forward. So, like I say, getting that buy-in is the most important thing. You spoke before though as well about the amount of information that's out there now and the resources that we have available as coaches. I also think that's been a positive for players, hasn't it? Because the understanding of players now, on maybe that's looking at what another team does. Like you, you go on socials now, or or well, any of the social media platforms, you can see what play what teams are doing in pre-season. Even if it's not giving the full detail, you get little snapshots of it. Whereas years ago, you didn't have that, did you? So players are becoming more understanding, and they're getting more educated just because there's more out there. Yeah, it's like it's everything, isn't it? Like even like. When you're seeing on on matches these days, you you get the little stats, don't you? Like pop up saying, yeah. um, I, don't, I don't know, Jordan Henderson did twelve and a half k, and he's come off the pitch, whatever it is, and yeah. and um, players are like I say, are constantly then educated and reminded and going, well, actually, I only did eleven k um, in my game. Like, of course, there's tactical things that happen and styles of players that really affect sort of distances on a pitch, but it's everything, isn't it? Or, Wow, he can run quick, and is that what speeds they do in the prem? And you see that, like, you know, the top ten fastest players in the prem. You're going, oof, that's quick. Like, they, that's what they do in the in the prem, or um, whatever it is. It's just like you say, it's just making players like so much more aware these days of the physical side, um, um, and that uh, it's it's so good. Like when players come into you, go, oh, did you see that, or did you see this, and um, or it might be some some social media exercise that I don't know. Like I've had players coming in and showing me like some NFL player doing some mad stuff. <laughs> and you're just going like, it's, you're just building like interest in yeah. what we're doing. You go like, that's nonsense. He's like on a Bosu ball with a, with a squat, with a chain around his neck, whatever it is. You're just going like, what is he in the circus? Like, now this is what we do. Or he might go like, it might be something impressive and, I'm quite into my NFL, so I, I'll probably talk that. But it's like you see, like the running back position, and then you see him squatting like obscene amounts, and they come in and go, "Wow, like they're they're strong." And you go, "Yeah, they have to be because of their position." Like mm. we're doing this, and you're explosive. We we make you really quick, and um, and it's just like building interest and building conversation, and um, just making players aware and just in, like I say, just interested. And it's good because it it's just. It helps you with the relationship and um, 
you know, the, the worst thing you can have is a player that comes in, doesn't really want to talk. Right, what am I doing today? Then through, yeah, done it. All right, see you later. And he's yeah. gone. Right? That's not that's not an environment that's good for anyone. Um, the players, the staff, it's just not fun for anyone. And like, I like mute, like loud music. I like it busy. I like it chaotic. Um, get get as many staff in there as you can. Just people just go in, and, and we kind of have their own programs. They're interested, and you kind of just just creating the fun fun environments. That was one thing actually I wanted to speak to you about. So obviously, as support staff. How important do you think it is that you get other staff involved? And obviously, there's going to be other sports science, other SNCs involved in the program. But beyond that as well, how important is it for technical staff to understand not not every fine detail, but understand what you're trying to do and what you're trying to create? I think um, again, I think it's from it probably has come from just the academy setups that the the MDT, the multidisciplinary approach, really. It's come come through. It's kind of not just your program. You have input from the physio um, on a previous injury. You go, okay, he's kind of managing this. Like, how can we manipulate what we want to do to make sure that we're getting what we want, but it's suiting him in his management or his his coming back from an injury. It might be like you say, the technical staff, like the manager, just coming into a few sessions and kind of seeing it, understanding it, um, getting their input on how they see I'm like previously I've been had a real close relationship with the manager so it's quite easy to sit down with him and say like um these players obviously you group them into like you busy period of time fixtures wise and we're kind of grouping these lads into we're just going to tick them over we're just going to manage them we're still going to like be consistent in what we're doing um but we're just going to maybe change things in a little bit of a different way, you know, whether it's a pre-training isometric or that's how we're just going to get a little bit in. Um, and then in the afternoon, it's purely non-fatiguing stuff. Um, they've got a busy schedule coming up, so that's how we're going to do them. These lot, we'd like, I think we see an opportunity to get some work in. So this is what we see them as athletes. He might go, yeah, I agree. I, I think he needs to work on this. Or, um, you know, some of the, the one of the first in coach or, his sister manager, who was brilliant at, at building relationships, was, yeah, I just think like he needs to do this and this is what will, will make him sort of improve. And then you can go, okay, right, we'll do that. Um, this is how we're going to make him stronger or more, more powerful. And then this is how we're going to then relate it on pitch and transfer it into an exercise onto the pitch um, as part of your pre-training warm-up or a little conditioning session post-training or whatever it is. Um, and sort of understanding... They, I think the coaches and the technical staff need to understand um, like we are really there. Like I say, our main thing is to make the players available on pitch. That's our sole objective. Um, we then need to make them physically in a, as an optimal condition, but they need to be available on pitch. Um, and we then might have little windows of opportunity that we can work towards and kind of it's then communicating that across to them that just say like yeah we're gonna we've got a gym session here gym session here um we're gonna do stuff after this game um we're gonna load them quite up they've got a day off after us so we're gonna load them quite heavy after this game um and it's kind of just communicating that way and be consistent with your program the message from the coaches should be the same as what you're trying to trying to say that their snc is important um you know, the previous man he was so keen on just being everything individualized, everything, everything, but he just really wanted it. And I think because he come from he played at a really high level, um, and he sort of got good support. Um, and he had like really a keen eye on his own physical ability, what he needed from an individual perspective, because he didn't he knew he didn't need the same as another player. Um, and he was smart enough to sort of you know, if they were trying to get him to do the same, you can say, well, no, I don't need that. And I prefer this type of stuff. And then you have the balance. So he was he really interested in the physical side and developing that. Um, so the message has to be from top to bottom. Um, so they're, they're really important. Um, like I said, having the, the sports science staff and the medical staff that are involved in the design of the programme, um, making them feel like they're part of the process. Um 
and making sure that everyone kind of sings off the same hymn sheet. It's it's all the things that we kind of know that everyone has to go in the same direction. Um, and, you know, it, it needs to make sure that we are having the same type of coaching things that we're looking for or whatever it is. Um, it's just making sure that all staff and, and I say you can go, it's staff being culture architects. And it's also the players being culture architects. It's kind of both. You need to make sure that you are kind of driving it from both sides, that the players are driving it and you're driving the players um, and making sure that everyone is aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and I think it's just, it's also good like for the coaches. I think sometimes, like in my experience, they've, they've enjoyed coming to the gym sessions. Um, we're kind of in a, a, a a time where managers are quite interested in in the physical side and their own physical ability and they're kind of used to being in the gym. We're kind of getting to that ex-player now, aren't we, where it's like there's loads of ex-players becoming managers and they kind of understand it more in more detail. Um, so having them in there and, and kind of players look at oh, the coaches in it, I'm, okay, cool. Like, yeah, this is good. This must be important type thing. It's not just the coaches are important, only think about the gym and, uh, on the pitch, sorry. And then as soon as you come into the gym, they're like, nah, I'll, I'll just go upstairs or whatever and have lunch. But um, like just having everyone just pushing in the same direction. Uh, it's the same with analysis, I, I think. Like having like people in the team meetings, like, I used to go into a lot of team meetings. Um, one, because I enjoyed it from the tactical side, just learning different bits. But it's also like if, if the players walk into a big team meeting that they're going to look through the game and they see all the staff um, sat in the back for a few rows, they're like, oh, wow, like everyone's invested in this. Yeah. Like everyone's kind of thinking, yeah, this is great. It's not just everyone in their individual things, like the coaches doing the pitch and then we have the gym and then um, the analysts have the lecture theatre. It should be like everyone kind of just enjoying being around each other and, once you have that type of environment, like it's just like it's so so easy to to get what you need to get out of it. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. The other thing I was going to say is when you referenced before about the chaotic nature of the gym and getting other coaches involved, they'll learn a lot, won't they, from how the players are in the gym? Because when if anyone's done sessions with a, a group of players before, you suddenly see characters come out, don't you? In, in different ways, shapes and forms of how players react to certain challenges physically in the gym um, and just coaches being in there, recognising that. I'm not saying it's a direct transfer to what happens on the pitch, but there's, there's a hell of a lot of lessons they could learn. Yeah, like you get to see who's hiding. You like to see who your, your, uh, your hiding players are. You like to see who your, your players are that are quick, very quick to come in and get out or the ones that take ages or whatever it is. Like I've, I've done it in a few different ways. I've had like set times, we're in the gym, half one to half two, whatever it is. Um, or I've kind of had it where it kind of flows and you kind of say post-training, we've got your S&T session um, yeah. and it's up to them to, to kind of come in. Um, and yeah, you might end up chasing a little bit, but uh, it's kind of that short-term pain to then, once you've got them, they come in and it's fine. Um, and there's no right or wrong to either. Um, I like to say chaotic, the music's going, you've got players doing loads of different exercises, um, coaches in there, you've got players that are kind of asking questions or taking interest into to what they're lifting or what they need to set up, set it up themselves, tidy it away yourself, like start learning like good skills and good characteristics of being a good teammate. Help, a, help your mate clean up a bar or help someone set something up or give someone a bit of encouragement when they're lifting something. And it's kind of like, I do think when you get those sessions, I just think it's like, it's great. Um, and yeah, you get to see some some interesting, some interesting uh, characteristics, some interesting, some interesting conversations and there's all sorts going on in, in those sessions and um, probably not to be repeated on here, but <laughs> um, you, get to hear, you get to hear a few things that make you laugh and they're si we're simple people in football and we just want to have good fun and like get good work in and there's that enjoyment I think once once they know they're doing something that's going to benefit them 
um, you just come out of it feeling so much better. I think we all do, don't you? Whenever you've done like a challenge or um, a hard training session or a really particular tough, um, something that you're worried about, I don't know, it can be anything. You have that real satisfaction of completion yeah. and that real release of just, yeah, I've, I've, like, you're, you're hurting now, but later on when you're at home, you'll think, yeah, that's that's been good today. Like, I've got good working. So it's just making sure that you're sort of setting those players just onwards and just to, to give them just give them the tools and just let them let them learn what they need to do. Um, and we're just there to sort of facilitate it, aren't we? It is like just what it's a real player centered approach. It's not for us. I do try and make sure um, whoever like I'm working with, we just go, yeah, like these aren't our sessions. Like this is for them. So we need to make sure it's the environment that best suits them. It's not what's going to help you. Um, and that's why I say give the players the give the players a stereo. Like let them choose the music. Sometimes that can be a mistake because <laughs> the music in football is horrific these days, um, and definitely not for my taste. Uh, but it uh, it's just make it's their session. So what's going to motivate them? It might be a certain song that you're going. This is rubbish. But yeah. if it makes them be explosive and just like want to be there and lift. You can. All right, I can suffer with this for, for for a bit of time, but as soon as you're out of here, I'm changing it and putting my old, yeah, my old yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, putting some proper side. They go, what is this? Like, what is this? Like, I've never heard of this, and you're like, oh my god. So uh, they don't know yet. They, they little do they know. Mate, that was absolutely class. I think there's there's so so many lessons in that for coaches. Um, the analogy I just kept thinking of is we spend so much time now not just players, but everyone looking at devices, whether it's like Whoop or Ring and getting all this data on how we're feeling and how we should then go and train all the rest of it. And we've got, I'm not saying that's not to be used, but a lot of what you spoke about is having those conversations and essentially getting that same information, but in more depth through conversation, through building this culture where players can be open and honest and come to you. And I think that's the job, isn't it? As the practitioner to create those environments once those environments are created, players come and have those conversations, and then you have the skill as a practitioner to individualise and give them what they need at that right time. Yeah, it's that, like, like you say, we are so fortunate we get so much data available and we can get so much feedback like immediately as well. I think we it's just up to us to make sure we're choosing what the player needs and what the player wants to look at. And it's a perfect way, like, I love using gym awares and, and having that immediate feedback or force platforms where you can do some jumps on that and they can really understand it, but don't like overdo it. And I think we often just chuck data at players and they're just like, yeah, what the like, like be really like we can use that data and we can collect as much as we possibly can because we like to spend the time in analyzing it and going in it in detail. So it's, the players just really want to want to look at something and go, yeah, I understand that and I get that. Um, that's what I need to improve and, and this is what we're going to do in sessions whether it's I need to be more explosive um, so we're going to put a gym aware onto a bar um, in a session and, and let them see the, the velocity that they're moving at and you go come on let's get this thing or, or having sessions where you might have a little velocity leaderboard where you've just got everything like individualised in terms of body weight whatever it is but they can kind of see like oh yeah I'm like quick I'm like I'm moving it quick. I've, I've not done that as quick as I have previously. Or um, it's just using using technology and, and not overusing it, but just using it to help you and you give them the feedback that they need. Because um, you say something, then the data backs you up, and then the data then continually can can help drive the program because it's continually showing improvements, progressions. Um, and you just kind of have to make sure that the players are, are really buying into to whatever you're doing, but um, not to throw everything at them because they won't respond won't respond to that. Absolutely, class. Mate, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, no, you. Matt, just wrap us up. If people want to reach out, or they want to ask questions or anything like that, where would you direct them? Um, some of the social medias I'm on, Twitter, LinkedIn, probably the main two that I tend to use. Um, I've 
Instagram, but it's mainly just for my two kids. So that's just spam that you don't need to see. Uh, <laughs> uh, we um, could probably do a whole other podcast on on parenting and dealing with oh, a, a newborn. Yeah. <laughs> I say I said to you and I'm I'm three weeks today into my second child. Um, I've got two and a half year old, uh, and that is a topic that needs to be talked about: how to balance. How to balance work and and having two kids or three kids? Well, how many kids? Are Even one's hard enough. Um, <laughs> but just having that. But yeah, so um, Twitter, LinkedIn, probably the best two. Um, I'm sure will you put it up on the the bits and bobs that you do. Um, yeah. And yeah, well, I'm more than happy to to um, anyone that has any questions, reach out. Anything um, culture related, anything like even just whatever. Um, I like to talk to people. Um, and uh, hopefully I can help in some way. Class. Well, thanks a lot for coming back on, mate. It was great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. It was great to have Matt back on the podcast. So a big thank you for him freeing up some time and coming on. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you took plenty away from that one. I said at the start you were going to. Um, if you've made notes, I'm sure you've got pages full. I really enjoyed the episode. I said to him at the end, I can always tell when... I enjoy one of the conversations so much because I didn't even look at my notes once, I don't think. I had to check towards the end that we actually spoke about what we agreed we were going to speak about. But the lessons in this one, I think, are massive. I think a lot of people talk about the science and um, a lot around education as coaches. But this is the real um, nuts and bolts of programming and coaching for me. Is We, we use phrases like culture and buying, but what they actually mean is everything that Matt has gone into today, the daily habits, the way you build relationships with people. He spoke about players being responsive, taking ownership, and he also gave great examples on how they actually do that as well. Um, The personal skills is massive. Any young coaches listening, all I kept thinking was that for a young coach that wants experience, Getting experience with a number of different squads is only going to benefit you because we spoke about those like three groups of players, the players that are willing to do anything, the players that are sort of might half-hour sessions, that they'll be there, but they're not going to put everything into it, and the ones that just don't want to be there. I think the more experience you can get with the second and third group, the better you become at handling them and getting more out of it. So that only comes from experience. So I just kept thinking all the way through that young coaches or coaches of any any age picking up more experience with those those groups um, is going to give you more examples of players just like that and learning how to work with them. We talk, obviously spoke about around player-led programs. That's not to say that players are dictating everything that goes on. I don't I think that's probably gone too far. But what we did talk about is involving them in the process. And obviously in terms of buy-in and empowering players i think that's what we're doing in that process they they feel like they become part of it they understand it a lot better and then matt also mentioned about not overusing technology using it but not overusing it i think that's a great point you obviously spoke about um coaches being behind the laptops and the personal approach is so so important we are working with human beings at the end of the day and we need to be able to engage with them we need to be able to speak to them find out about them not just on a football level and that then gives you that relationship like you mentioned with one of the players at at the club that they build that trust honesty transparency and that's only going to lead to good things going forward then as well so let us know what you thought of the podcast please give it a share i really appreciate everyone over the last few weeks that shared the episodes it massively helps us get it out to new people so please give it a share if you've not done so already And also go and check out our sponsors, go and check out Rezzle, Good Prep and also Hytro doing some brilliant work and supporting us every single week, get these episodes out. So I really appreciate all those guys and I'll speak to you again in episode 250.